0: Christmas is special to us and we're, we're so thankful that you've taken time out of uh, your family or whatever you're doing in the lead up to Christmas to come to church, to Anchor. We, we love the fact that you're here. So welcome, especially for those of you who are guests or friends or family of people who would call Anchor home. We love the fact that you're here. We love having new people. So we really hope that you're blessed by our time together. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but Christmas can have this strange mix of sincerity and superficiality at the same time, and if it's just me who feels that, maybe that's been your experience, that at moments it feels sincere, and then at other moments it feels really superficial, and what I mean is this, it can feel superficial sometimes because it feels like all we're really celebrating is consumerism and nothing deep and real, and so you get to buy a present for the person who has absolutely everything, and you think, well, what would I buy that person? In recent years, we've seen the rise of gifts like experience gifts. Instead of buying someone an iPad, you'll buy them skydiving or some experience. It's it's not tangible. They can't keep it, but they keep a memory of it. Or you've seen the rise of donation gifts where someone will buy you a goat that's already been given to someone in a third world country because really, we've just got everything that we need. And so we experience this sense of there's a superficial side of Christmas that's just consumer-driven. And yet also, we have this, this deep sense that in Christmas, there is connection and family. And we've got a sense of nostalgia and, and hope that's all parceled together with Christmas. Tasmanian climate change journalist Peter Boyer lamented just two weeks ago in his his newspaper article, that we have believed the marketer's seductive narrative, that we can just continue to consume and consume and consume with no concern for the environment. And so he suggests that we need a new narrative to live by, and I quote, one that reframes and channels our basic needs, that is our needs to consume, in such a way that instead of destroying the natural world, we reconnect with it. In such a narrative, less will be seen to be more. The smart, sexy choice for the consumer will be low-impact technologies. And so as he surveys the landscape of a consumer-driven Christmas, his solution is to find a new narrative that reconnects us with nature, with creation. Now, whilst... I share his desire to to enjoy Christmas beyond just consumerism. And I also share his desire to steward the earthly resources that we have. I want to suggest this evening a different narrative, a different solution to the one that he offers. And rather than a reconnection with nature and creation, I want to suggest a reconnection with our Creator and God. The climax of the grand narrative the big story of what God has done and is doing is Christmas. And I believe that God has given the most sustainable gift ever in himself. And so this evening, I just want to talk very briefly from what is the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3:16. You may be familiar with it. You may even know it. You may have even memorized it as a child. And, and so I hope the The nature of how familiar this verse is doesn't mean that we don't listen to what it has to say to us this evening. But I want to read John 3.16, and this is what it says. It's on the screen behind me. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, it shouldn't be a secret to you that here at Anchor Church we believe in God. I mean... It's church, right? And so we believe in God, but we don't just believe in Him. We want to know Him personally and deeply. We want to experience God. We want to worship God. And we believe there's good reasons for that. Reasons like we have this inbuilt sense of moral right and wrong. Where does that come from if there is no God? Reasons like we we yearn for eternity, for something more than what this life has to offer. Reasons like we have a deep desire for justice, or reasons like we just appreciate the ordered beauty of this world that that has to have come into being by the design of a divine God. And so we believe that there are good reasons to not only believe but worship God. And while culturally faith might not be popular, at least here in Sydney in Australia in 2014, it seems to me that The hunger that people have for transcendence is found in God. And So we're going to talk about God in church at Christmas. Seems fitting. You know, it's said that uh, the essence of Christmas is giving. And I think the Bible agrees with that. For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. He's a, a giving God. And a giving God that is motivated by love. He is not reluctant to give, and he doesn't give stingily. He gives his best, the most precious thing that he owns, his son, he gives. Love motivates genuine giving. We know that to be true. I mean, when I give my wife a a birthday present or a Christmas present, I I don't give her a gift because I have to. I give her a gift because I want to. I give her a gift because I love her. I give her a gift because I want her to have joy in that gift. If I give her a gift because I have to kind of ruins the gift, doesn't it? Or if if I give her a gift in the hope that I'll get something in return, it's not really a gift. It's a payment for something. uh, Love always motivates genuine giving. And God gives because he wants to, out of love for us. And the gift that God gave was Jesus, his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, Jesus isn't the first gift that God has ever given. God has been giving gifts ever since the very first page of the Bible. But Jesus is the best gift that God has ever given. And the readings that were so beautifully read to us from Luke's gospel earlier point to the time when that gift was actualized, that moment in history when the God of the universe, in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus came in the flesh, in a person see, the love of God is not vague, it's tangible, it's real, and it comes gift-wrapped in the flesh of Jesus. God is the great giver. But the question is, why does God give his son? It seems like a strange gift to give. As a parent, I wouldn't give away my child. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in some islander families, Pacific Islander families, if there is a, a... member or members of your extended family who are unable to have children because of infertility or have had a miscarriage. The expectation on the family is that those who have lots of kids will give one to the family that doesn't. And we think, you know, middle class Western society thinks, we're so individualistic, that freaks us out. But the, the, the expectation, the tightness of family is so tight that you would give a child to someone who doesn't have one. And so In islander culture, lots of kids grow up calling what is their auntie and uncle, mum and dad. You know, God doesn't give his son because of some external family expectation. No, he gives for reasons much deeper than that. The verse immediately following verse 16, which is not up on the screen, says that Jesus has come not to condemn the world, but to save it. Save it from what? to save the world from sin, to save the world from our enslavement to idols. See, when it says there that God so loved the world, it doesn't mean that God loved the grass and the trees and the streams and all the fluffy animals, although that's true because he made them and he delights them, they're good. What it means when God loved the world is that God loved the people of this world. What it means is that God actually loved you. And God loved you despite the fact that you had sinned against Him and rejected Him. Now sin is a a foreign concept culturally, maybe even a concept that's unwelcome. And I think often we think of sin and and the, the category that comes to mind is breaking the law. And that's our category of sin. But the Bible uses a whole range of ways to explain what sin is. And so let me offer one to you this evening Sin is living outside of relationship with God. Sin is living outside of relationship with God, refusing to acknowledge Him, refusing to live for Him as your Creator and God. And the Bible calls that sin. In 16 years' time, our two-year-old son, Judah, who's making noise somewhere, will be 18. He'll be an adult. And it would be devastating to my wife, Tash, and I if he left home... And just pretended that we did not exist. After 18 years of love and parenting and provision, if he lived and called someone else mum and dad, that would crush us. And it wouldn't crush us because it cost a lot of money to raise a child and we paid for his schooling. And It wouldn't crush us for those reasons. It would crush us because relationship was broken. And sadly... That's what all of us have done, and some continue to do to God. Live as if he doesn't exist, as if he's not real, as if he's not there. And that breaks the relationship between people and God, between creator and creation. And the Bible calls that sin, and it breaks God's heart, just like it would any parent. And Jesus, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus comes to restore and to reconcile people back to their God. That baby that was born on that first Christmas, 33 years later, would be the man on the first Easter who would hang on the cross and die for people's sin to restore and reconcile people back to God, to bring them back into relationship with Him. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.18 Says this. All of this is from God, who through Christ, through offering Christ as a gift, reconciled us to himself. Why does God give his son? It's the question we asked. To restore people to relationship. As God gives this gift of grace, the intent is that he would draw you back to himself, those who have wandered. Behind the gift of Jesus stands a person, stands God. As one of the great modern-day prophets, Mariah Carey says, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's There's just one thing I need. I don't care about presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas Is you Now, I apologize if I've now got that song stuck in your head like I have all day, but we're going to sing some other carols later to get it out of your head. But but there's truth to the corniness of that song, and that is that that there is something better than the material gifts that we all receive at Christmas, and that is the relationship that either does or doesn't stand behind that gift. It would be weird if if I was separated from my family over Christmas, say I was stranded overseas and unable to be with my family, and, and the people that I was with said to me, you must be missing your family at Christmas, it would be very weird of me to say, not really. My wife gave me a watch for Christmas, so pretty content. If I would be content in the gift, in my watch, over my wife would be weird. And in the end, there is more to the gifts that we are given, there is the relationship that stands behind those gifts. And I think we deeply long for that. We deeply long for connection and relationship. In fact, gifts can often be cheap without that relationship, can't they? I mean, you know that, that Kris Kringle that you got from that cousin that hates you went straight into the bin because you're like, that marmalade is poison. I'm never going to eat that, right? If the relationship doesn't exist, the gift is often ruined. There is much more to the gift. There are the people behind the gifts. And the gift of Christmas is Jesus. And behind Jesus is a father who longs to be reunited and reconciled with his people. In the end, at Christmas, the giver of the gift is the gift himself. And there is no greater gift than God Yes, the essence of Christmas is giving, and God is the best at giving. You cannot outgive God. He has done abundantly more than what we need in Jesus. And so maybe this Christmas you feel that, that tension, that tension between the sincerity and superficialness of Christmas. And you long for something deeper than just the gadgets that you get given that end up filling landfill and rubbish tips. You even long for something deeper than family. And for many people, family your experience of family is broken and and ruined. But even when it is good, even when it is healthy, it doesn't ultimately satisfy. And we long for something deeper. Maybe this Christmas it's time to realign with a new narrative and reconnect with our Creator. Maybe this Christmas... It's time that you receive Christ. You know, tomorrow you're going to open many presents, I hope. You have lots of presents to open tomorrow. But none of them are going to last. Some of them may last a day, like a box of chocolates. Some may last a year, and some may last a lifetime, like an important piece of jewelry. But ultimately, none of them will last. But there is one gift that will last. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gift that lasts forever, the gift of life that God offers in his son. And it's faith that unlocks that gift, believing in his gift, his son in Jesus. And so maybe this Christmas, Maybe this Christmas you would believe in Jesus and receive more than you could ever imagine. You know, at Christmas it's, it's so easy to love the gifts that God gives us and not give thanks to the giver of the gifts. And so my encouragement to you is to pause this Christmas. Pause amidst all of the wonderful blessings that Christmas brings. Pause amongst the presents and pause amongst the food and the family or whatever your experience of Christmas will be and remember to give praise to the giver. Every gift that you receive, every gift that you give, let that be a reminder to you that all of our giving is inspired by the one who first gave of himself in the person of Jesus. Our prayer for you at Christmas is that you would see that in Christ, God offers you himself and beckons you to come home and worship him. We love you guys. We hope you have a very merry and blessed Christmas. We're going to sing a couple more carols. I'm going to pray for us, invite the band to come back up. So would you join me as I pray? Father God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the wonderful joy that Christmas brings. We thank you mostly, Father, for the gift that you have given. We thank you that you offer us yourself, relationship with you, despite the fact that we had lived as if you didn't exist. And we rejoice, Father, that you have pursued us, given us your best, sent your Son to redeem and reconcile us. And so this Christmas, Father, remind us that you are the chief giver, that you are the God who has given everything so that we might have life and life eternal. And we thank you and praise you for this this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.